0: Hello and welcome to the Renaissance Polymath. I'm your host, Toby Gagnon, and on this episode, I would like to discuss home ownership. Let's go ahead and get things started. I was lucky enough to become a homeowner nearly a decade ago. It was an interesting and fun, but sometimes frustrating process. Being as it was my first time and having really no one I could lean on for information or advice, there were things that I didn't know that, had I known them, may have allowed me to make better informed decisions. Having now been through a refinance process as well, I took quite a few of those learnings and was able to finally apply them. I'm going to share some of the things that I learned over the course of being a homeowner that may help you to learn from my choices and sometimes my mistakes, so hopefully you can have an easier go at it. But let's start right at the beginning with understanding your options before you buy the home. And what I mean by that is there are different types of loans that are available to you and if you have a good real estate agent this should all be kind of explained to you but keep in mind they are bound legally by what they can tell you what advice they can offer you and all that kind of stuff so don't expect them to be the person that gives you all of the information because legally they're not allowed to do certain things so starting with types of loans there are usda loans there are fha loans and there are traditional loans. And those are the three major categories. And really, there's a few other ones, but realistically, you've got USDA, FHA, and traditional. What those mean, obviously, I would encourage you to go do your own research and look those up in USDA, FHA, traditional. But really, the big difference between those are down payments. Of course, there are some other things that we'll get into a little bit later. But down payments, which obviously brings us to our next point, which is down payment needs. You can expect on a USDA loan to pay sometimes 0% down, no money out of pocket, maybe with the exception of closing costs. Uh, Closing costs, let's talk on that real quick before we get into down payment. Closing costs are basically legal fees that you're paying for all of the proper documentation, for the time of the attorneys to prepare all the documentation to file it with the county or the state or whomever. So there are closing costs and those can run anywhere between $2,000 all the way up to about $10,000. And obviously there are going to be exceptions where some are less and some are more. But expect somewhere around the $5,000 to $6,000 mark for closing costs. Down payments are separate from that. And down payments are basically money that you're putting immediately toward the home and your interest rate can be affected by how much you're putting down. For instance, if you put 0% down on a USDA loan, your interest rate may be a little bit higher because the bank is is forking over all of the money. They're taking all of the risk right up front because you really don't have any skin in the game, so to speak. You haven't put any money toward it. FHA loans usually require somewhere between 2 and 5% down. Again, that may change with your area, with the market, and with the changing times and differences that the Fed may bring into play. But basically, between 2 and 5%. Now, obviously, on a $100,000 home, you're looking at 5% or $5,000. On a $200,000 home, that is now $10,000. For a traditional loan, Typically, what a bank would like to see or a lending institution would like to see for a traditional loan is about 20% down. Yes, there are others that you can get away with 10% down or 15%, but traditional loans tend to be 20% down, which, again, if you're buying a $200,000 home, is a hefty chunk of change. It's a lot of money that you may not be able to put down, which is why some people go the route of an FHA, Interest. Well, interest, like I mentioned, is going to be dependent upon many factors, your credit score, obviously, but also how much you're putting down, how much you're putting into the house right up front, how much risk is the bank taking. Keep in mind, you can buy down interest rate, but really all you're doing is prepaying for it. So keep that in mind. How long do you plan to be in the home? Does it make sense to buy down a rate or prepay an interest? versus paying a slightly higher interest rate, let's say 4% versus 3%, does it make sense to pay more to the bank right up front if you're only going to be in the home five or six years? Something to think about. But interest options, there are fixed interest options and adjustable interest options. Again, there are likely more options, but we're going to stick to the simple here. Fixed and adjustable. In adjustable, you're looking at, you'll hear terms like a three-in-one or a 5-in-1 arm, adjustable rate. Uh, Adjustable basically just means, like a 3-in-1, means that every three years, your interest rate could change. Some lending institutions, some banks, they'll protect themselves here, and they'll say, hey, look, your rate can never go down, but it could go up. Uh, So in other words, if you buy and the interest rate is 5%, And three years later, the interest rates are down to three and three quarters percent, but you you might still be stuck at five. The bank isn't necessarily going to lower them. Other banks are more forgiving, and they'll say, "Hey, look, your rate can never go up, but it could only go down." That's where the three and one or the five and one might make more sense. For fixed interest rates, it's not so dissimilar from buying a car. You're just looking at what is the best interest rate I can get. But keep in mind, when you buy down a rate, you're not necessarily Actually, saving money, you're just prepaying the bank. All right, let's talk about the length of the loan. A typical mortgage, most people think, is a 30 year mortgage. A 30 year fixed traditional loan would be something that most people think of when they think of a mortgage. But there are other lengths of loans, for instance, 10 years, 15 years. I've seen others that are more than 30 years as well, but 10, 15, and 30 are kind of the numbers. Understand that if you go with a shorter period of time, you may get a better interest rate, potentially, but doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be saving money. Some lending institutions also do not have penalties for prepayment or paying off early. So for instance, if you take a 30-year mortgage And you don't have, it doesn't take you 30 years to pay it, you are actually potentially saving yourself money. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. So we've got our mortgage. We understand what type of loan we want, the down payment that's going to be required, the interest rates, whether it's a three or five in one adjustable or if it's a fixed amount. We understand the length of loan kind of can vary. Let's talk about that mortgage payment, because you're going to see a lot of numbers, especially if you do online calculators. You're going to see a lot of numbers online, like, oh, a $200,000 home at a 3.5% rate is X amount per month. That's just for the loan on the house. Mortgage payments also consist of, obviously, principal and interest, as well as a mortgage insurance premium or a private mortgage insurance. So what are MIP and PMI? You're gonna hear these terms. Mortgage insurance premium is something that is paid when you do a loan that is not traditional. So in other words, if you're putting less than 20% down on a home and you're not doing a traditional uh, loan, mortgage, you may have a payment that is required by your lending institution That basically is almost like a, hey, we're giving you the benefit of the doubt here. You're not putting as much down, so we're going to make you pay more per month. In a mortgage insurance premium, for instance, for an FHA, or PMI, private mortgage insurance, um, for the other ones, like a credit union or something like that. What you're looking at here is basically just, it's a risk. It's a risk the lending institution is taking by giving you the money to buy this home so they're charging you a higher rate so to speak they're charging you uh, insurance so if you default on the loan they have a little bit more they can dive into it's worth noting however that mortgage insurance premiums or private mortgage insurance MIP PMI you can lobby to get those off after your home reaches a certain amount of equity or you have a certain length of time. So typically what that looks like is once you reach 20% owned, so again, let's say we have a $200,000 mortgage or house, and once we reach a point where we own or we only owe $160,000 on that home in principal balance, then we can lobby to have that insurance taken off. It may or may not go your way, and obviously things can change, but long and the short of it is PMI or MIP are not awful things. They're just means to protect the lending institution, but you can always get those off. Typically, it's about five years. Also, in a mortgage payment, you've got your principal, your interest and your insurance, maybe, but you also have escrow. So what the heck is escrow? Escrow consists of things like your homeowner's insurance or your taxes, whether they're by city, county, state, etc., and potentially any HOA dues that you may uh, you may have where you live. So, homeowners insurance, usually what the bank is going to say, hey, look, we don't want you to default on this. We want you to have insurance because if something happens to the home, the bank doesn't want to be held, or your lending institution doesn't want to be held with basically what used to be a $200,000 home that's now a $50,000 piece of land. So, Typically, they require you to escrow your insurance through them. Uh, Taxes can be the same thing. They don't want any other lien holders basically against your property. That really isn't your property. It's theirs. So they will escrow those taxes or they may require that you escrow the taxes through them, through your lending institution. And same thing with HOA dues. Again, they don't want any other lien holders having a stake on your property. So they may require that you have your escrow through your lending institution. However, it is not always required and you do not have to escrow with your bank, with your lending institution. If you plan it correctly, you can do it yourself. For instance, if your homeowner's insurance costs you $1,000 a year, or let's make it easy, let's say $1,200 a year, you could put away $100 per month into a separate account, savings account, whatever, And it can sit there. And then when it comes time to pay your homeowner's insurance, you simply take that money out of that account and pay. But the benefit that you get with doing it yourself would be that money can make you money. And what I mean by that is if you put it into a savings account, it might only earn 0.03% or 0.02%, but that's a couple pennies that you didn't have before. Alternatively, and this is not recommended, but you could potentially invest it into a stock or a bond or something in the market that may make you more money. So you may see a 5% return on that $1,200, and then when you take it out, you still have that other money left over. So you do not necessarily have to escrow with your lending institution, your bank, although you may, depending on what their, what, what the paperwork says, what their lawyers put in the paperwork, but if you plan it correctly, you can do it yourself. Same thing with taxes, same thing with HOA dues. You don't necessarily have to escrow with the bank. You might could do it yourself if you plan accordingly. Let's get into some financial and legal suggestions. And I'll preface this by saying, as I said in a couple episodes ago, I am not a financial expert, and I'm definitely not a lawyer. So please take everything I'm about to say with kind of a grain of salt and understand that I'm not an expert, and I should I would encourage you to seek advice, financial and legal for your particular situation. So go find someone who's more knowledgeable and understands what you want. That'll help you. But just some basic suggestions that I have found that have helped me. Uh, Number one, I recommend setting up a living trust and deeding your home and quite frankly, all of your, your material assets, your properties, your car, any other properties you have, anything that's really of value that requires a deed or a title or something like that. Put it in the name of the living trust. There are pros and cons to this, absolutely, but uh, look into that. Look into what a living trust is and whether or not it's right for you and talk to some legal and financial representatives and, and experts and see if that's something that makes sense for you. But A living trust might cost you a couple hundred bucks to set up, but it might save you, your family, your loved ones, a whole lot of trouble down the road. Consider that. Also, and this is just a, a financial recommendation, but make additional principal payments. So if your mortgage payment is, let's say nine, uh, let's just say $1,000 a month, $1,000 a month is your mortgage payment. Well, of that, maybe uh, $270 is escrow, right? Your HOA dues, your taxes, and your homeowner's insurance. So really now you're down to about 730 730 bucks a month is actually what's going toward principal and interest on your home. Well, if you're early in your homeowner experience, early in the loan, you're going to be paying more interest than you were, let's say, in year 29. You're going to pay more interest in year one on your payments than you will in year 29. So a majority of that, maybe even 50%, is uh, interest that you're paying to the lending institution. So if you are $730 payment for principal and interest you might actually only be paying about 400 bucks potentially to your actual mortgage to the principal balance of your home so if you think about it if you have a $1000 mortgage really only about 40% of that is going toward the actual principal balance so if you make additional principal payments not double payments you're not paying $2000 you're paying additional principal payment Really, you can knock it up to $1,400, and by making that additional principal payment, you, in theory, have whatever your the, the life of the loan is, right? So let's say it's 30 years, and right from the get-go, you make an additional principal payment every single month. It's almost like making two payments a month. Your 30-year mortgage now became 15 years. You pay the home off in 15 years, and like we talked about before, if your lending institution does not have any ramifications or any any negative effects of paying off early, you just saved yourself all of that interest. So it could, $20,000 maybe you could save yourself an interest. Consider making additional principal payments whenever possible. And understand that the principal payment that you're paying, the addition part, won't be nearly as much as you think it is. Okay, we've bought the home. We've set up the uh, the deed and all that stuff into a living trust. We're making additional payments. The home will be paid off in 15 years. Fantastic. Let's talk about general routine maintenance. Okay, you are a homeowner now. There are things that you're going to have to fix. Everybody, I'm sure you've heard it. There's the, oh gosh, you know, the life of a homeowner, the life of a homeowner. Yeah, this is what happens when you're a homeowner. So here are things that you will need to do as a homeowner. And this is by no Sense of the imagination in an exhaustive list. Number one, air filters. You will need to change air filters, especially if you have a central unit, whether it's central air, central heat, something. You are very likely going to have to change air filters. You're also going to have to change water filters. If you have a refrigerator that has uh, the little water spigot in the front of the freezer or something, there is a water filter in there. You're going to need to change that. If you have a well system, you're going to need to maintain that well system. And very likely there's water filtration set up. Maybe even there's hard water set up to to treat hard water. You're going to need to change those filters regularly. Oh, by the way, did you know that your washing machine and your dishwasher also have filters? You're going to need to check for those. Your microwave fan, that also has a filter. There are filters in all kinds of, of appliances nowadays. So when you get your home, See if you can find the owner's manual or the repair manual or whatever for all of your appliances. It's going to make your life so much easier, but everything has a filter and you're going to be changing filters regularly. They're not cheap, unfortunately, especially if you want the good ones. If you have allergies, I recommend you pay the money and get a proper HEPA filter and uh, that will go a long way to making your quality of life better. So filters, filters, filters. Also, on your sinks, you turn the faucet on. Most nowadays come with what's called an aerator. So basically, it takes the water, mixes it with air, it comes out, you use actually less water that way. It's a great way to um, to knock down your water bill. But also, those things, those little aerators, they get clogged up. So if you ever turn the sink on, and instead of a nice stream of water, you get this weird thing that looks like it's spraying water everywhere. You might need to ch- uh, check that aerator and clean it out Uh, your drains you're going to need to clean your drains on a regular basis they get dirty Uh, you get in the shower you clean yourself off where does all that dirt go it goes in the drain you're going to need to clean the drains, so have some drain cleaner handy because the worst thing is when you need it and you don't have it so just have it on hand it's a good idea Uh, washing machine and dishwashing cleaning again your dirty clothes and your dirty dishes go into these machines well all that filth goes somewhere Goes into the filters, etc. So, invest in something like a like a Lemmy Shine or whatever, a machine tablet that you just run when the machine's empty and it cleans the machine. That's the life of a homeowner. Uh, And last part here under under routine maintenance is understand that everything in a home has a useful life. Everything, whether it's a microwave or an air conditioning unit or a roof everything has a useful life. And at some point it will fail. It will stop working. It will break down. It's just going to stop. So understand what the life expectancy is of each of your appliances, a microwave, about five years, washer and dryer, eight to 10 years, a refrigerator, 10 to 15 years, a roof, about 20 years, give or take, depending on where you live. Understand that you're going to have to replace or repair these things so start saving money right now for that. Put money away like you do with your escrow. Put money away into a savings account and just let it sit there. Let it earn you money or put it into a, an investment account or something. Have that money available to you so that when the time comes and your microwave breaks and you need to go spend three to $500 on a new microwave, depending on what kind you have, you have the money available to you. You're not dipping into a line of credit to do it. So understand that everything has a useful life. So start saving money right now to pay for the things that are need fixing. And the last part that we have here is useful tools. There are some things that I bought when I became a homeowner, some tools, and they've helped me out. And there are some things that I was, quite frankly, too cheap to buy, even though they weren't that expensive. And either I suffered because of it, trying to make a tool work that really wasn't the right tool for the job, or other things suffered, and I'll explain that. So first things first, you buy a home. Guess what you're going to need? You're going to need a level, a tape measure, and a hammer, because you're going to want to hang pictures on the wall, and you're going to need to know where the studs are, so I would even include a stud finder in there. A tool set, just a general tool set. Hey, I need to screw screws in. Well, do you have a screwdriver? Do you have a flathead, a Phillips head, a Torx bit, a, a hex head? Whatever it is, do you have all those tools? So a, a basic general tool set, a level, a tape measure, a hammer, and a stud finder. And I one could argue a pencil. Pens are fantastic, but a pencil you can erase. That is bare minimum home ownership. Next, I would recommend a power Power tools, but specifically a 20 volt system. 18 volts are, are fine. Even some of the old 12 volt systems will work just fine, especially if it's light duty stuff. But if you wanted to get into any serious repair or work, you're going to want a higher voltage. 20 volt is kind of that happy medium between price and effectiveness. You can get into something like a 24 volt system, others are 40 volt systems. But 20 volts is kind of where it's at. And what I recommend is, for a 20-volt system, a drill, obviously, but an impact driver, a sweeper, almost like a leaf blower, except it's not a leaf blower. There's two things. There is a leaf blower, which replaces a rake, and there is a sweeper, which replaces a broom. I recommend just a sweeper. If you're going to cut your own grass, then just get yourself a sweeper. That'll be just fine. Um, Obviously, a leaf blower is much better when you have to blow leaves, but not everybody has to do that. So I I bought this years ago when I became a homeowner. It is the Black & Decker Matrix system. And I'll link all of this stuff in the show notes as well. So you can kind of be taken right to it. But I have a Black & Decker Matrix system. And what that allows me to do is it allows me to swap the head. It's the same body, the drill bit bo- or the, the power drill body, but I can swap the heads for a drill For an impact wrench, impact driver, um, a, a jigsaw, a router, a sawzall attachment. There's even an air compressor to blow up like a bike tire or an inflatable pool toy, something like that. I absolutely love it. And those same batteries also work with my weed eater and my sweeper and my hedge trimmer and all those different things. All those are nice to haves, but they're not really need to haves, especially when you're starting out with the exception of the drill, the impact driver and the sweeper. Those things will do you wonders. And the other two things that I was too cheap to buy and other things suffered because of it. Number one is a shop vac. You would not believe a vacuum cleaner is fantastic, but a shop vac, the the power is just on a whole other level. Uh, Also, it can be wet or dry. So if there's water somewhere, it can help cleaning that puddle of water up or whatever. Get a good shop vac, and yes, they're, it is an investment, they're not cheap, but they are extremely useful. Second would be an air compressor, which sounds weird, except very likely, if you're a homeowner, you also own a vehicle. Well, you need to make sure your tire pressures are up to snuff, especially during season changes. So where I said other things suffered, with a shop vac, my car would be extremely dirty, um, there were other things that I would try to get a broom to push water off of something when a shop vac would have done the job in five minutes. And with the air compressor, the tires, you know, the tires on the car or the, or a bicycle or a motorcycle or whatever, I might have to ride or drive to the gas station. And then I don't have quarters and then I, you know, whatever it costs a buck 25 every time. And, and maybe I have to do it twice depending on how far around I have to walk. And there's just a lot of stuff. So a shop vac and an air compressor are fantastically useful tools that homeowners can absolutely take advantage of. And I would encourage you to at least explore those. It doesn't have to be extremely expensive, but it will pay dividends in the long run. So that about wraps up this episode. Um, Just a quick summary of kind of what we talked about. For homeownership, understand your options before you buy. Types of loans, the down payments that are needed, any interest options that are available to you, the length of loans that are available to you. Understand that a mortgage payment is more than just principal and interest. You've got MIP and PMI as well as escrow. You also understand what escrow is, right? It's homeowners insurance and taxes and any HOA dues or things like that. And you don't always have to escrow with your lending institution. You can do it yourself and let that money make you money while it's sitting there. Uh, We went over some financial and legal suggestions, right? Again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a financial guru, right? So so go seek that advice, but look into what a living trust is and if it's right for you and deeding your properties and titles and stuff into that and make additional principal payments. You can absolutely have the life of your loan if you do that. We went through some general routine maintenance, filters, 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 and more filters. Uh, And cleaning, right? Washing machines, drains, sinks, sink aerators, dishwashers, all that stuff needs cleaning. You don't think so, but it does. And then understanding that everything's got a useful life and everything's going to break down eventually. So we've got to start saving now so that when the fridge goes or when the microwave goes, you've got the money right there. You can just go turn around and get it fixed right away. And then useful tools bare minimum, a level, tape measure, stud finder, and a hammer. I also recommend a tool set, just a general tool set, power tools, right? A 20 volt system that the batteries can be used for many, many other things. And then a shop vac and an air compressor. Those go a long way. So again, that about wraps up the episode, but I would encourage you to do your own continued research and education. I'll make sure, like I said, that I link to all the stuff that I talked about in the show notes in this episode. On the next episode, I will be discussing hobbies and staying active. If you have any feedback, feel free to send me an email at podcast at therenpo.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-N-P-O dot I would also appreciate it if you left a review wherever you podcast. That helps this show be discoverable to others, but also helps me understand where things can be improved. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download new episodes so you don't miss any of the future topics. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.